This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, and I'm your host for today's program. Well, today we continue our series, Who Wrote the Book of Love, with our guest, Mark Ray. We began our series last week in John 14 with our program, That's the Power of Love. We talked about the belief of love, which is Christ, the supernatural provisions of the Trinity to love us as He commands, and the beautiful promises of love. Well, today we're going to dig into John 15. We find Jesus unfolding one of the greatest realities for the Christian, abiding in Him, or in keeping with a play on our music thing, me and you and you and me. Let's go to our guest now. Mark Ray serves as Vice President of Community Development with Grace School of Theology and is Executive Director of Grace Center for Spiritual Development. Mark earned a Master in uh, Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary, a Master of Divinity, as well as a Doctor of Ministry from Grace School of Theology. Mark has over 25 years experience in church and parachurch ministry. Mark, I'm so glad that you've come back to continue this discussion. Such an important one, I think, for all of our listeners, and I know it's benefiting me already. Uh, You know, John 15 is well known by most Christians as the abiding passages. But sadly, they're often misinterpreted. You say there are four relationships that need to be distinguished as we study John 15. So let's get those straight first. Okay, great question. Um, Let me take us back again to the thematic statement of this whole sermon, uh, the Upper Room Discourse, going from John 13 through John 17. which will take us through the garden. It'll take us to a lot of different, a lot of different uh, uh, situations. Yes, yes. But the overarching theme here is John thirteen thirty four through thirty five. Love one another as I have loved you. The world will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Therefore, love one another as I have loved you. And we talked uh, in our last session simply about the fact that that love one another as I have loved you is to love perfectly. What are the provisions? that God provides for us to obey and actually do that commandment, which is a simple commandment, but extremely difficult to accomplish. Oh, yes. Um, so it, as we look at this and keeping it in context, uh, mm-hmm. these, um, these four relationships are all relationships with Christ. Uh, what we find in John 15 in this whole abiding passage is that there is life in Christ, there is life with Christ, there is life by Christ, and there is life for Christ. As this kind of unfolds and begins to be unpacked, what we find here first is that life in Christ is that look at salvation, because my life is not my life is dead if Christ is not in it, and right. the moment we trust Christ, He's with us. Mm-hmm. So this salvation look at, in fact. Christ Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, it all points to the statement of salvation. He is the Savior. And as the Savior, my life in Christ is actually life. Mm. That's where I get life from. That's where we get life, Uh, yes. uh, His death brought that salvation, but his life gives us 
that life. Mm -hmm. So there is life in him. Uh, Second, life with Christ. This is what abiding is all about. This is where there is fellowship. My life in Christ gives me that relationship, that eternal relationship, never changes, doesn't go away. Yes. One of the statements of Grace School of Theology. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who We want to find, uh, train up people who can teach the love of Christ, a love that can't be earned and can't be lost. We have that eternal relationship mm-hmm. with Him because of what He did for us. But life with Christ is now, how do I live mm-hmm. this life? In fact, Paul talks about it in Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So the yeah. salvation that has been accomplished because of Christ's work on the cross, yes. now my life with Christ is figuring out how that salvation actually begins to impact me. Yes. How do yes. I live with Christ knowing that he's with me? Mm-hmm. We got that promise from John 14. That's right. He's with us. Mm-hmm. The third one is life by Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ through me, um, this is really the fruit bearing section of this. And this is where John 15 gives us not only life with Christ, but life by him. This fruit bearing, Mm -hmm. and and let's keep that in context. What's the first place that we see fruit being born? When we are loving one one another. (laughs) Yeah. And why would you not abide with Christ? Because that's where you're learning about how to be loved and how to love one another. Mm-hmm. So we get this life by Christ, which is the, the fruit-bearing portion of this. And Christ the, living through us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the relationship mm-hmm. of, of life for Christ is actually the life of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go back to the upper room again. What did Christ do for the disciples? He washed Sir. their feet. He mm-hmm. served them. Mm-hmm. So it, w- what we ultimately get, and the beautiful illustration we get here, the vine and the branches, where is their life? There is life um, in Christ, there is life with Christ, there is life by Christ, and there is life for Christ. The relationship of those four, John 15, just unpacks those and shows us (laughs) the wages of sin is death, but where we find life is in Christ by Christ, for Christ, with Christ, through Christ. That's where life is. So Mm. you want life? Yeah. I'm Christ. Christ. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. Christ. Absolutely right. <laughs> That's great. Well, the first eight verses of John 15 focus on fruit bearing, the fruit of love, if you will. Yes. Uh, in the parable, Jesus first talks about the fruit from pruning. So what are we to understand about the importance of pruning? First thing to understand about the importance of pruning is it has nothing to do with <laughs> It has. Uh, let me put it in this way: We have a tendency to to equate pruning with destruction. Yes. With uh, uh, almost an eternal separation. Uh, we do the same thing with fire. Now there are places in which fire does equate to that. Right. But here in the pruning process, no, there were two different times of the season where they pruned, and what they pruned, the reason for the pruning, was to give life. To those branches that were actually producing to make them be better. Even uh, part of that pruning process was they would find branches that would be laying on the ground mm-hmm. or branches that would be underneath under branches. So part of that pruning was to lift them up, lift them up. so they could get sun, they could get light, they could get rain. Mm-hmm. It, the whole process of pruning was not a process to take away. It was a process to bring life. It was a process to, to expose to the light of Christ, if you will. Mm-hmm to expose those areas and see if fruit could be born. 
Yes. Um, let's let's put a really uh, interesting example here. If there's a place in your life where this is keeping you from being able to love another, mm-hmm. pruning says first expose it to the light of Christ. Yeah. Let Him make it better. Bring more nourishment to it. Bring more fertilizer to it more light, more rain, whatever that might be, to see if it won't bear fruit. Mm -hmm. The ultimate is, there's a second side of pruning, and that is if this thing is keeping you from it, in order to keep Mm -hmm. it from actually destroying the rest of you, Mm -hmm. we'll cut it off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The the ultimate purpose is we we want the plant and all the branches to be healthy and producing fruit. When they don't produce fruit, we prune them to see if they will, Right. Or we ultimately take them away if they're not going to produce fruit, mm. which then brings new life to all the other branches around. It doesn't suck the life out of the branches that are actually producing fruit. Exactly. So with that context, what you see here very specifically is how do we make the branches, how do we bring better fruit? You and I both know there's multiple ways to do that in our spiritual life. Yes, yes. But if there are things, if there are sins in our life, if there are things mm-hmm. in our life that are keeping us, if there's unforgiveness, yeah. <laughs> if there's, if there's, I don't even understand um, how I'm supposed to love this person. Well, let's yeah. let's prune that. Let's bring it up. Let's right. expose it. Let's get it nourishment. Let's see if we can't do that. And remember who's pruning. Yes. This is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You got the whole Trinity involved in this That's thing. Right. And yeah. the important thing that they want you to do is to be able to love one another perfectly. So let's get everything out of the way mm-hmm. that's keeping you from being able to do that. That's the pruning process. Yes. Those branches that that need to bear fruit, we prune them mm-hmm. to the point that they have everything they need to bear fruit. If they don't, we pull them away so they don't. Um, they don't affect, they don't suck the life out of the rest of the plant. Exactly. And it could be a time of chastisement. And, and maybe maybe you were re- working in a ministry and you had to be set aside until you got this issue resolved. And then maybe you're going to be brought back in. But, no question. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's, uh, again, the perspective that we're viewing this mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. goes all the way back to John 13, 34 through 35. And that mm-hmm. perspective is, how do I love perfectly? Mm-hmm. The pruning process is a part of that process to put full effort into being able to love one another perfectly. Yes, yes. And if there are things that, that are getting in the way of that, they're pruned. They're either raised up and watered and fertilized to make sure they're bearing fruit or they're removed yes. so that they don't hinder the rest of the plant from bearing fruit. Exactly. Nothing to do with salvation, <laughs> losing it or whatever. Yes, yes. No, very because, important. Because remember, you're still a branch. Yeah grafted to the vine. You're still grafted to Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, then Christ talks about the fruit from abiding. So then what does it mean to abide and what results can we expect when we do? So again, let's go back to 13. Yeah. Love one another perfectly. Mm-hmm. How do you begin to love one another perfectly where you're attached to the source of love? Abiding in that, my favorite translation is make your home in Oh, yeah. So if I'm abiding in Christ, I'm making my home in Christ, and I'm actually making my home in love. Mm-hmm. Because that's who he is. Yes. <laughs> I had an old seminary professor that used to say the language of heaven is love. 
That's yeah. and when we look faith, hope, and love, you'll faith won't be necessary when you come face to face with him. Hope mm. won't be necessary, but love mm. that's the language of heaven. So if yeah. that's the language of heaven, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. What's on heaven, let it be on earth. Yeah. Let this be the language of love. Let my life reflect that language of love. Mm. First place of that is be grafted into the source of that love, yeah. Christ in you. So the whole abiding, make my home in for me, puts a great context around uh, when you come home. And, and uh, we live in the Woodlands, Texas, a place that's full of trees. Yeah. And I can remember the first time my wife and I drove into the Woodlands, we came down over the high ramp and came driving into all the trees and we both looked at each other and went, I'm, I'm home. Uh, I'm home. We only felt that one other place, but when you feel like you are in in your home, you're you're making your home here. All of the different things that come out of that. Um, now, uh, the result of me making my home in Christ is that He has control of this. He now He now directs. Yeah. He now um, instead of all of the other things that that can take my life away from him that are sitting on my throne mm -hmm. he's now sitting on the throne yes 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 he's got the one he's got the authority he's got the power yeah. but the command that comes to mind is mm -hmm. not uh, it's not a command of do this do this do this do this do this it's a command of now you're free to go love yeah your home is being made in me mm. where there is constant love surrounding mm. you now mm. go do the same Mm. Um, that I mean, when I look at abiding, I, I'll say it again. How do we ever expect to love one another perfectly if we're not tapped into, if we're not making our home in the one yes. that loves us perfectly, that is the source of that love? I, I love I love that, the making my home in him. I, yeah. Actually, I heard that, Mark, and I think that's, that's excellent. Because I think about how, sadly, in this world, we oftentimes are building our own kingdom, right? <laughs> or we're building our own point. piece of heaven on earth. Yeah. Uh, but if we make Christ our home now, because he is making a home for us for eternity so if we make our home in him now then we are not concerned about building our kingdom right, right. we are totally focused on his kingdom and well, what he would have us do and, and it, it begs this question and I'm, I'm just moving a little bit away from the text here but it begs this question what type of a home yeah. have I created for him to indwell mm. Uh, it begins to be a very convicting yes, question yes. because we we have a tendency to leave John 14 as that's our focus. You're going to prepare a place for me, Christ. It, I, I can't wait to see my mansion. I can't wait to see what you <laughs> and do. You with hear me. people say that all the time. But while he's here yeah. and he's in me, yeah, uh. and I'm abiding in him, and I've made I make my home in mm. him. What type of a home do I have here? What does my home look like that he's indwelling? Um, now all of a sudden it takes on a completely different perspective when I'm thinking yeah. I'm supposed to abide, make my home in the one who is love. Is this a place where love can bloom, where love can grow, mm -hmm. where love can be expressed out? Is this a place where love is understood yeah. uh, to the point that it becomes reflective? Exactly. I, think this is, I think this is what it means ultimately when we are created in his image. Mm-hmm. A huge part of that image is the character of Christ that's yeah. in me that gets manifested out there. That's right. And, you know, we can come back to pruning real quick and say what things aren't manifesting, we'll mm -hmm. get rid of them. Yes. I'd rather have them pruned, mm -hmm. either lifted up to bear more fruit or pruned away so that my focus becomes how do I live a life for Christ, yes. by Christ, through Christ, in Christ, 
And how is he being manifested to the world? How am I loving yeah. others? Yes, yes. It's also taking that, that living water that's in us and making sure that it's overflowing Absolutely. to the world. Yes. Uh, and we've got to make sure that water is always fresh yeah. <laughs> by what we do. Yes. Uh, well, and then it seems to me, and you can help clarify this, it seems to me that Jesus then takes abiding to another level in verse 6 through 8, uh, contrasting those who bear the name of Christ but don't necessarily abide and then those who desire to follow intimately as disciples of Christ. Is, is, is that right? Is that what he's talking about? Well, here? Let's, let's look at it real quick. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. Now notice, again, this is part of the, it's part of the harvest of, there are two different seasons in which pruning takes place. There is yeah. a, a beginning prune to have everything happen, but the, at the end of the growing season, there's also a pruning to get stuff out of the way so that the next season of growing becomes fruitful. So if anyone does, if you're not abiding, yeah, you're withered. <laughs> yeah, there's no life in you. Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. So if there's mm-hmm. no life in you, what do you do with that branch? Mm-hmm. You either prune it to help it become more, or you get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It becomes a, a a pruned branch so that it doesn't again diminish the effectiveness of the of the the vine itself from growing fruit. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you Mm -hmm. will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, this is a huge statement that Jesus makes because prior to this (laughs) prayer, you didn't go directly to God. You went through the priest. You went through uh, other mediums, especially if you were female. You went through other mediums to be able to bring your prayers. This is the first time that he is saying... Believe in God, believe also in me. I'm in you. I'm indwelling you. You can ask directly of me. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to take this one out of context, too. Yeah. Whatever you ask, whatever you desire, it shall be done. Well, that desire is in the context of who is it that's indwelling me? Mm-hmm. Whose desire actually is it for me? And in the context here, what you're really praying for is to be more, to bear more fruit. Yeah. Ask that. By the way, what does Christ really want you to do? Bear more fruit. I want you to be a fruit bearer. Yeah. Um, I want you to be productive in my mm-hmm. kingdom. I want mm-hmm. you to love one another. Um, in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified. He's, my Father is the one that glorif- that visible manifestation of the character of God now gets shown off. Mm-hmm. So when I actually do this, who gets who gets shown off? Yeah. It's God that does. Yes, yes. Not me. Right. It's Him. Um, he's the one that's glorified, and you'll bear much fruit, and you'll be my disciples. Now, here's the key point going back to again. What's the mark of a disciple? Loving one another uh-huh. and loving one another perfectly. That's yeah. what's going to distinguish that. So in yeah. in this, what Christ says is abiding in me is vitally important mm-hmm. because a number of things happen. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to show off the Father. You're going to love one another, and you're going to prove to be my disciples. Not proving that you're saved. No. Because I've had people say, Mark, oh, yeah, to be a disciple means you're saved. No. To be a disciple means you're following closely, intimately, you know, truly a a student of the Lord as you love him so much and abide, right? Well, and and let's make sure we make that distinction. Yeah. in order to be a disciple, you have to be saved. Yes, yes. But salvation is is that event of trusting Christ. Now there is that decision to begin to follow Him. Mm-hmm. 
deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. That's the mark of a disciple. And this, yes, this yes. other mark of the disciple is the hardest thing that, that there is to do yeah. is to love one another. Yes. Because let's face it, we're not all lovable. <laughs> and so loving another is sometimes yeah. very difficult to do. But the mark of a mm-hmm. disciple of Jesus Christ is one who is loving others by serving others. Yeah. Where people are going, oh, they must, they yeah. must love the yeah. Lord. They must be a, a Christian because look, you know, they're just yeah, loving one another. Well, yeah. you know, you look at you look at the beginning of Acts or Acts chapter two, forty two mm-hmm. through forty eight, yeah. and here was the mark of the early church. Yeah. They were breaking bread together. They were in each other's yeah. homes. They were how they were conducting their business. Mm-hmm. All of that, and people were being added to the church daily simply by how they treated each other. Yes. Really significant that that. If the world looked in at our churches and saw mm. our churches today not as what's dividing us, mm. but saw as what's uniting us, yeah. and you went into a church that was united, that was loving one another as Christ loved each, each of us, the difference of that place mm. would be palatable. Yes. You could walk in the door and go, something different is happening right. here, and I'd like to be part of that. That's right. That's, that's where this comes from. A church that's abiding in Christ because that's how you love one another. Mm-hmm. Really significant change. Reminds me of that old camp song in high school. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, right? <laughs> yes. And I know it's the spirit of the Lord. And yeah. it's just, oh, yeah, exactly. Yes. Love it. Uh, well, um, so how does this parable then connect us back to that command to love? And, and maybe you just said it. But yeah. What? Well, so let's repeat because it, yeah. you know the old, the old statement that it takes seven to eleven times for you to hear something before it really right. sinks in. Uh, and I'm getting older, and it takes me even longer to have uh, those. But but here's where that really comes back to play into what yeah. we're talking about here. The command is to love one another. Yes. As I have loved you. Mm-hmm. How do you begin to learn? how we're loved unless you're abiding in the source of that love. He's the one that's going to teach us how to love. He's the one that's going to teach us what we do and how we love perfectly. And the the offshoot of that, the beauty of that is we get pruned. Mm -hmm. We get new fruit bearing growth. We get life. We get the promises that he gives us in chapter 14. Um, And bottom line is we get to be shown just simply by how we act. Mm -hmm. We get to be shown as his disciple. You want a place to belong? How about belonging to the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? You're his family. You're part of him. Mm -hmm. The way that we do that and the way that we get recognized as a disciple of Jesus Mm -hmm. is simply how we love each other. Yeah. And you can't expect to love each other unless you're abiding. Unless you're abiding. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And I would also add, he gives you opportunity. No question. You know, he prepares you and then he gives you opportunity. Uh, Well, Jesus develops this command further in uh, verses 11 through 14. Uh, And he describes his own demonstration of agape love and what's about to happen. Walk us through that because Jesus says the result of this is joy. And everyone is looking not only for love, Mark, but they're also looking for joy. Well, and that's, it's a great question, and it's a great observation. Um, these in, he's, He says this, these things I have spoken to you, meaning these are things that come straight from Jesus. Make no mistake, the source is not, you didn't, it's not hearsay, it's not, this is coming straight from me. Um, and a, a reason for doing this is so that my joy Mm. is in you and my joy may remain in you you want joy abide in Christ 
love one another. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's very simple. Paul yeah. says it over and over again. I mean, the book of Philippians is full of rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, have joy. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, and let's make sure we really understand this is not Pollyanna, happy, happy, everything's no. great. This is true joy. Even in the midst of suffering. And, and the foundation yeah. of that joy is knowing mm-hmm. how deeply you are loved. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm tapped into the source. I'm abiding in the source of that love. Yes. Therefore, his joy becomes my joy. Think of, think of it from this standpoint. When Christ died and we trust Christ, all these things are imputed to us. Yeah. His righteousness, his mm-hmm. holiness. One thing nobody ever talks about is his joy is imputed to us. Wow. We get his joy. The joy of wow. Christ. I get the joy of Christ. Yes, I get his peace. Yes, I get, yeah. I get all of that. But I get his joy, which is what he's talking about here. The reason your joy can be full mm-hmm. is because it's my joy uh, in you. And you experience my joy because you are abiding, abiding. in me. You want more joy? Abide deeper <laughs> yeah. in Christ. He's going to prune away the things that yeah. take that joy away from you. Have you ever been convicted by the fact that, man, I'm a grump. Mm. I'm grumpy today. Mm. Well, where does that conviction come from? Yes, yes. It comes from the Holy Spirit who's telling you, you can have joy to the joy of Christ today because it's in you. Yes. You already have it. No reason to be grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, in verses 13 through 16, there are five characteristics of the delivery of love. Um, and I thought this was very, very, very helpful as well, Mark. If we have time to sure, just I think quickly we get just go a couple those. minutes. Uh-huh. Well, uh, the five characteristics of genuine love in 13 through 16 are these. True love is sacrificial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See that in the upper room? That's part of servanthood. That's part of what, yes. what comes. And it's sacrificial. Second, it's demonstrated in obedience to Christ. This goes again to Second John. John says, this is the definition of love. Obedience. Yeah. And obedience to the commands. What's the first command? Love one another. If you're loving one another, you're in obedience. And what you get from that is the demonstration of that love in you. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, beauty is love grows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the more you practice it, the more you work on it, love grows. Yes. Um, yes. Third, lo- uh, genuine love always communicates truth. Mm-hmm. What's the source of truth? Scriptures, what the Holy Spirit's telling you, who's indwelling yes. you. You get, you communicate truth, which means the other things that cloud out truth, mm-hmm. uh, the falsehoods, the lies, those go away. Because genuine love communicates truth. Fourth, genuine love takes the initiative in meeting the needs of others. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Acts 2, we saw yeah. the body of Christ meeting the needs of others. Intentional. Time and time. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And finally, genuine love always bears fruit. And when you're bearing fruit, guess what it does? It draws you back into a deeper abiding with Christ. Mm-hmm. Because the primary fruit that we're looking for is loving one another. Is loving one another. Yes. Mm. So within that, those characteristics are really significant because it lays out this beautiful picture of what love looks like as you're extending that love to others. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks again for your insights on John 15. We're going to continue this discussion on who wrote the book of love. I hope uh, uh, you'll uh, enjoy coming back and uh, visiting us again, Mark. Happy to. (laughs) And to our listeners, we hope our topic has stirred your interest to get into God's word. You want to learn more about him and loving him and loving others. We encourage you to visit the Grace Center for Spiritual Development 
Oh, there's so many resources there that will help you uh, in your your growth in the Lord and and in how to love one another. So go to gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. Also check out the Grace School of Theology while you're there, an accredited seminary where you can earn both undergraduate and graduate degrees. So glad you've tuned in today. Please tell others about Saving Grace and remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.